Hey everyone, it's Candace Eisner back with you again this week. And this week I wanted to go over some health and wellness business essentials. Things that are kind of specific to if you're working in health, wellness, or fitness businesses and may not apply necessarily to other types of businesses. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Well, welcome back to another week on the podcast. As we've been doing for the last, I don't know, four or five episodes, something like that, we're going to keep drawing on that fall energy, that back to fall idea, you know, trying to get refocused, trying to see what you can do with your business for the last few months of the year leading into the holidays, which for a lot of people working in health, wellness and fitness is a very busy time. And then it kind of gets completely dead right around, you know, Christmas itself. But anyway, even if you don't celebrate, I used to find that, um, Never been a big Christmas celebrator myself, not getting into sort of my personal life too much, but, uh, you know, I, I, my family celebrates it, but I don't really, but, uh, yeah, things kind of quiet down completely when it comes to business right around that holiday, because most of us in North America do celebrate Christmas in some way, shape or form, even if it's just getting together with friends and having a good meal, so... So yeah, I was to say, uh, let's ramp up so we can ramp down, I guess is the way to put it. Ramp up our businesses so we can enjoy that holiday and go, hey, things went well. So yeah, we've covered a bunch of topics over the last few weeks, including um, getting to know yourself in your business, like the Know Your episode that was a few weeks back, um, about developing healthy habits as a self-employed entrepreneur type, and about shifting your mindset from being an employee to being your own boss, which is a really important thing to do because you can't keep thinking of yourself as working for somebody else when actually you work for yourself. You are the boss and you have to get it all done yourself. So on that note, I wanted to this week take on some of the essential things to think about when you are starting a health, wellness, or fitness fitness. fitness business. Wow, that's quite the mouthful. Now, of course, you know, all businesses are going to share some skills and traits and things that to think about, right? Like being in business is being in business on one level. So even though you might run a wellness type business, you can learn a heck of a lot from those people. But there are some topics and things that you need to consider that are fairly specific to working in health, wellness, or fitness, or being a professional in those careers, a health, uh, like a healthcare professional or someone who, um, let's say you're a nutrition consultant, or let's say that you are a personal trainer that works one-on-one with clients, you are a yoga teacher, you're a Pilates instructor, any of those things at all. Um, it all applies generally. So let's talk about some of those topics that are fairly specific to you guys. And this is coming straight out of my experience working in healthcare, working as a wellness professional for many years or being in that environment because uh, I think a lot of you know now, but even when I wasn't a healthcare professional, I was working in health and wellness. I worked at a medical clinic as a 
variety of jobs, actually. I worked as a chiropractic assistant for a while. I worked in long-term care for a little while. That's like uh, in places that aren't Canada. You might call them nursing homes. So, you know, places for people who are elderly to go and get very specific care. So anyway, um, you know, I have a fair bit of experience and this is talking out of that experience as well as, yeah, a little bit of research just to kind of fill in the gaps. But for the most part, this is coming right about my or right from my experience. And before I launch into that, I just wanted to say um, that if you were not at the very beginning of your career, this can still be helpful to you because it may be things that you hadn't really considered or things that you hadn't really looked at in a while and you got to go, oh yeah, you know, I am kind of slipping on that one thing. Maybe I should reconsider that. So don't just don't just skip the podcast episode unless you're absolutely sure this one is not for you. All right, so uh, let's launch right into that. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the idea of client privacy and confidentiality. So rethinking that. It, now, that's important for all careers, obviously. I, I don't think that needs to be said. Like, I think you guys all know that. But it seems to doubly be so, especially if you work in actually like regulated health professions. But even if you don't, wellness and fitness professions need to think about this stuff too. Now, you healthcare people, you probably already got the lowdown on this from school or from your regulated body, uh, you know, somewhere in there. But Others of you may not have thought too much about this stuff, or maybe you've thought about it a little bit, or maybe you were nudged a little bit by someone to think about it, but it's probably not something you delve deeply into because maybe because it didn't seem necessary or because it's just not part of a curriculum in a lot of those types of uh, courses if you've taken you know courses to do what you do. Um, but here's the things to think about. It's stuff like, don't tell other people who your clients are. Unless the client has clearly said otherwise, or it's a super obvious one, like someone referred someone else, so obviously they know that you see the other person. You shouldn't ever tell someone that you're seeing someone else, you know? I know that sounds a bit weird, but like, here's here's an example from my real life, okay? Um, I used to work at a clinic in Ottawa, and one of my former co-workers once saw Sandra Oh, I, yes, that is the famous actress from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, back when Grey's Anatomy, I think, had just started or Sandra had just gotten the part, something like that. So like she wasn't as famous as she is now, but she was known. And I knew about this. I wasn't there at the clinic at the time, by the way. I wasn't even finished school when this happened, but I found out about it. Now, should my coworker have told me about it? It's probably okay, to be honest, in this specific situation, because she she told me sort of quietly, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And yeah, I'm mentioning it now on the podcast because I'm being like, you know, you guys don't even know like where this clinic was or who this coworker was or anything like that. And even if you try to look up where it was that I was working, you're still not going to know. Don't assume that you know, because you probably don't. <laughs> But regardless, my point is, those kinds of stories might be super tempting to tell or like, you know, like go up to like a friend and say, oh my God, you can't believe who I treated today. You know, insert person's name here, who that person would be shocked to know, whether it's someone from the community or someone famous or whatever. That's a no-no. It's even a no-no if it's just like a friend of theirs, you know, unless that person has explicitly said, yeah, you can tell people that you, you know, I'm your client. You're not supposed to do that. 
Another example, actually, from my personal life before I sort of move on to another part of this topic is um, I used to see, so how to explain this? I used to see this woman uh, during her pregnancy. This was many years ago. It was one of my first uh, pregnancy massage clients that I, like in Toronto, that is. I used to see a fair number when I moved, when I lived in the Ottawa region. But after I moved to Toronto, this was one of my first clients. And I knew her for years. Um, she does not currently live in the same area that I do. We'd stayed connected through social media. And then down the road, I met her sister through a completely different uh, thing. It was a social thing. And I knew her sister was her sister, but I never revealed that I knew her sister, like the other sister from, from my massage days until one day they made, they put two and two together and they realized that I know both of them and it was super funny. (laughs) So again, you know, this is a situation where it was like, it was awkward. And honestly, the client told me, she said, you could have told my sister that you saw me. That doesn't bug me at all. But without having that explicit permission, that was not appropriate for me to do, even though it would have been a super fun, oh my God, I know your sister, that's so cool, like small world kind of conversation, right? But I didn't want to breach that client confidentiality because it's really important to think about. And to you listening to this, you might go, well, that sounds a bit weird to me, but it's just important to remember because you never know how people are going to feel about these things, right? So let me give you another example of this confidentiality stuff. You need to rethink taking phone calls in public. So this day and age, honestly, a lot of us don't even pick up our phones. Like there's statistics about that. But for those of us who do commonly, it's pretty common to like pick up your phone in public. Whenever I'm out in public, whether it's like going shopping or just out and about, getting a coffee, going for a run, whatever, I run into people literally and figuratively all the time on their phones, taking a phone call in public because that's what we do now. Our phones are portable and we're no longer tied to a landline, right? But the thing is, if you have clients calling you, you have to really rethink about taking that call in public. You know, if it's something that's easy for you to kind of mask what you're talking about or no private information is going to be given, say, you know, it's a client who's just calling you to book an appointment. You're just quickly going to tell them, yeah, I can see you tomorrow at three. Okay, I'll see you then. That's probably okay to do as long as you're careful about it. But what's not okay to do is like take a phone call, say it's their lawyer's office calling about the motor vehicle accident they were in and they want some information from you. That's probably the time where either you don't pick up the phone and let it go to voicemail and call them back later, or you pick up the phone, you say, I'm so sorry, I'm out in public right now. Can I call you back when I'm in the privacy of my office? And if they don't understand, by the way, you just tell them, well, I'm sorry, I'm not taking the call right now. I think think most lawyers' offices would understand, though, because of the privacy and confidentiality issue. So yeah, if you're the type to talk on your phone in public, that's cool with friends. It's not so cool when it comes to client stuff. You have to be really careful with that. So basically all I'm saying here is you have to rethink your natural tendencies because a lot of us, you know, especially with that example I gave about, you know, massaging a famous person or, you know, being a little bit gossipy, you know, we we have the tendency to just talk about that stuff with people because it's interesting or it's a good story or whatever that might be, you know. Um, Now, of course, if your personal tendency is to be super private and I have gone through phases in my life where I have been super duper private, maybe this is not advice you even need. Maybe you're like, oh God, no, I would never do any of those things. What are you talking about? Okay, great. But for a lot of us, our natural tendency is to take our calls in public, talk about interesting things that happen to us at work, you know, 
Uh, even things like writing reports, say you say you've got some reports that you need to submit, or you're even like you're a healthcare professional, and you're doing your charts and you take them home with you on public transit. That's a no no too. You should not. I mean, it's taking them on public transit's a bit iffy, but actually writing up the chart itself while you're on public transit, trying to make use of your time, that's a big no no because you never know who's going to be reading over your shoulder, right? So yeah. You have to kind of get strict about this stuff and make sure there's never a breach of confidentiality or privacy for your clients. And that's really, you know, that's it. Even if you don't think it's a big deal, you know, your client might think it's a big deal. And that's the important take home message. So point number two is that you might have to rethink your hobbies. Now, this is kind of true for all self-employed people, right? Because we don't get sick days. We don't have, you know, I mean, unless you have some sort of accident or, you know, illness or whatever insurance that you've policy that you've purchased. Um, But unless you purchase something separately, you don't have, you know, like I said, you don't have sick days. You don't have like long term disability. You can go on. You don't have any of that kind of stuff unless, again, you know, you've put you've done it for yourself. So. You really need to think about your hobbies because can you work if you are injured? And what the reason why I'm saying this is fairly specific to healthcare and wellness is because a lot of the jobs in healthcare and wellness and fitness require you to use your body quite intensively, right? If you're a massage therapist, chiropractor, physiotherapist, osteopath, any of those things, or if you're a fitness instructor, or if you do uh, private one-on-one personal training, some injuries you might be able to work around. Like for instance, I've worked with massage therapists who were able to work while they had like a broken ankle or broken toe or something. They, you know, they just taped it up really well and they sort of modified some of their treatments, maybe canceled some of their patients if it didn't make sense, but they were still able to work sort of a modified thing. But if you really get injured, if you like can't even walk for a while because you need to do rehabilitation or you've broken your leg or one of your arms is no longer functioning like I, I've been through that myself with a uh, impingement under the um, under the pec minor for those of you who are familiar with your anatomy uh, needless to say I couldn't use my left arm for quite a while it was really not good and I'm really glad I wasn't massaging at that point because I would have had to cancel all my patients for weeks uh, but anyway my point being if you have hobbies that re- end up, uh, the, the risk of injury is fairly high. Like uh, some of the hobbies that I've done, uh, circus arts, acrobatics, um, things that might rip up your hands. Um, you know, yeah, you have to think about that. You know, skiing even, downhill skiing can be something, you know. So I'm not saying you have to give up all your hobbies, I'm just saying it's something to think about. That's all. So think about whether or not it is right for you to continue with that hobby. Like, do you love it so much that to give it up would be horrible for your life? If that is if that is the case, then forget what I'm saying and you do you and maybe go and get some sort of like critical illness accident insurance. That way, if you do get injured, you're covered. You have something to help you pay the bills while you get better. But... Um, if it's not something that you love and you just like say you go skiing once a year because some friends kind of drag you out and you know you you'll do it anyway maybe rethink that maybe just go and just hang out with them or like ski the little like bunny slopes and and then hang out in the hang out drinking hot chocolate or beverage of choice you know in the in the lodge or whatever 
So yeah, that's all I'm saying. I'm not, again, I'm not telling anyone to give up their hobbies, give up things that are, that they love. I mean, I would never listen to advice. You know, if somebody else was giving me that advice, I'd tell them to, you know, well, yeah, I say words I probably shouldn't say on the podcast. But I'm just saying, if you are a health, wellness, or fitness professional who uses their body rigorously to do their job, you have to think about keeping your body in tip-top shape. And that might mean having to rethink the hobbies that you do. The next thing I wanted to talk about was rethinking how you talk about people and their bodies. This is a really sticky topic and it's something that definitely comes up for health, wellness and fitness professionals. Again, this is something you may have covered in schooling or may have covered in like sort of a a peer group, uh, you know, uh, business group, whatever you might have where you chat about things with business. Um, But it's really, really important to look at because no matter what you do in health, wellness or fitness, you're going to be faced with situations where you might want to comment on a client's body or haircut or tattoos or clothing choices or whatever it might be. So you need to be really careful about this stuff because, you know, it's natural for us to comment on things and to think about things. It's just kind of how we work as humans. We we observe differences or we observe things that have changed and we make, you know, we think about them, right? But it doesn't mean that you should actually verbalize that, especially with clients. Um, unless the person invites you to comment, like very clearly. Like, for example, you know, if a, if a client comes into your office and says like, hey, I just came from my hairstylist. What do you think of my haircut? It's okay for you to say something because they they literally just gave you an invitation to do it. Maybe be careful about what you say, you know, unless you know the client super, super, super well and know that they want you to be really honest. Even then, be careful about it. But if you have not been invited to make a comment You might be well-meaning, but the comment might go over like a ton of bricks, you know, at least where I'm from, you know, here in North America, like I said, it's, you know, like I've already kind of touched on, it's super common for people to compliment someone by saying something like, oh, you've lost a lot of weight or, oh, that haircut makes your face look slimmer or stuff like that. But that is really not an okay thing to comment on. And actually, I would rethink about commenting on that with anybody, by the way. I'm not going to go down that hole to talk about that topic. But just if you are the type to make those kinds of comments, rethink that. Just pause for a second and think about how that might be perceived by somebody else, right? It's not always the positive thing that you're intending it to be. You know, caveat, of course... If the client is coming to you for weight loss, okay, like you're a fitness professional and you're a nutritionist or whatever, and you are literally working with that person on weight loss, you know that is their goal, you know that is something that they want, and they come in one day and they're looking thinner, fitter, whatever you want to say, it's okay to make a comment. I mean, be careful about how you word it, but definitely you can say like, wow, you know, you're doing such a great job. You're looking great. That's totally fine because that is the reason why they are seeing you. But if it's not the reason why they are seeing you, you need to not make those kinds of comments. So basically what I'm saying is when you're working with someone in a sensitive way and in health, wellness, and fitness, we tend to be working on things that are sensitive issues, people's health, people's weight, yes, people's nutrition, uh, all those kinds of things, 
You really have to be careful about the comments you're making, even if your intention is, you know, is positive, even if you're meaning to be complimentary, if you're meaning to be nice, just be very careful about those comments. And, you know, as I said earlier, even tattoos fall into this category. Um, it's probably not a good idea to comment on someone's tattoos unless they have, again, invited you to do so, or it comes up somehow, like, like um, you're looking at a dry spot on their tattoo and you're just asking them if they knew that, you know, it was dry or, you know, say you're a massage therapist, you're like, you know, I could put a little extra oil on that for you. It's okay to comment on that kind of stuff if it's clinical and it makes sense. But you shouldn't be going, oh, wow, this tattoo is gorgeous. Who is the artist? Da, 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 da. You know, unless you know the client extremely well and you are sure that the client is going to take it as a compliment and not be put off by it or not think it's weird or not be like, oh, God, yet another person commenting on my tattoos. You know, just we got to be careful about these things. We got to be sensitive about them and we have to be realistic and caring for these clients and not be making judgments and comments about things, even if we intend them in a positive light. And another thing to consider is rethinking your idea of sick days. So this is one for those of you who work in super close quarters with your clients. It's less so if you do things over Skype or um, you tend to sort of, you sit behind a desk and they sit, you know, in front of you and you don't really get into close quarters with clients. But any of you who are quote unquote body workers, um, I know I'm not a fan of that term, but you know what I mean? Massage therapists, or if you work hands-on with clients, shiatsu, Thai massage, um, chiropractors, physiotherapists, any kind of manual manipulative therapy. Um, even if you work, say you're a nutrition consultant, but you work, you actually like are up close and personal, so to speak, with your client, because maybe you're doing some assessments or whatever. Anything like that at all, where you are going to be touching the client and being in close quarters, you need to think about these things. Because if you ever gone in for an appointment, so you being the client with somebody, and they clearly have a bad cold, okay? They're sniffing, they're coughing, they're blowing their nose, they really don't sound great. And you're thinking, uh-oh, am I going to catch this? Right? Because that's not really the vibe you want to be giving off while you're working. Now, I get it. Some people don't care. Some people, their family is constantly sick anyway. Like they have little kids and the kids are always bringing stuff home and they're like, I don't care. This is my normal day to day anyway. Don't worry about it. But other people really do care, especially anybody who is immunocompromised, say pregnant women, um, partly because the body does repress the immune system a bit while you're pregnant. And partly because when you're pregnant, you can't take much to deal with a cold. So so you got a kind of a double whammy. You're a little bit more susceptible to getting colds. And when you get a cold, you can't take much to help you deal with it. So that's not good. But also, like, if you have anybody with any kind of disease process at all that it compromises their immune system, you kind of don't want to be leaving them susceptible to your germs, so to speak. So this one's a little bit of a uh, a call, like a personal call. You have to decide how you how you feel about it and what's comfortable, because I get it. You know, we don't get paid sick days as self-employed people, so we can't just take off every single day. We have like a sniffle or a sneeze or a little bit of a sore throat, obviously. But you also have to think about your clients too. So there has to be a balance. I've known some people who've solved that issue by. Um, putting on a mask to work with clients. It's a little weird, but they tell them in advance, the reason why I'm doing it is because I'm sick and I don't want you to get the germs. Um, I've had other people solve that problem by um, 
canceling their day if they're really, really bad. And if they're not really, really bad, just taking cold medication and taking longer breaks and maybe booking less clients so that they can still see some people and earn an income and, you know, make it work without, you know, completely compromising their own health and the health of their clients. Um, There are other ways to deal with it. So it's, you know, it's a call on your part to decide, but you do need to think about this stuff because, you know, um, if you've worked in an environment say you worked in an office or something that wasn't health, wellness, and fitness. And, you know, most people just kind of sucked it up and came in anyway when they were sick. Well, if you're working in close personal contact with clients, that may not necessarily be the right move. So you kind of have to make a decision there. And um, another way, by the way, another thing that you can do is let the clients decide for themselves um, if you're comfortable with that. You can call each client. You can just say like, hey, I have a bad cold. I'm on day three. Would you prefer to reschedule or, or you know, you know, do you mind taking the small risk? I promise I'm going to scrub my hands and be very careful about the germs and da da da. But there is a risk, obviously. So that's another thing you can do, but it's basically, it's up to you, the call that you make, but you do have to rethink the mindset around sick days when you are a health or well, health, wellness, or fitness professional versus, um, you know, working in a, a regular office doing whatever you might be doing. So, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is rethinking the idea of full time. So this one's pretty dependent on what you do and how much you can charge for what you do in your own strength and stamina. There's no one size fits all here, but it was pretty clear to me as a massage therapist that seeing more than 20 clients a week was just not doable for me. Oh my God. My body would be breaking down. I would be aching. I'd be sore. I just couldn't see more than 20 clients a week. Now, if you're a nutrition consultant, I'm just using that as an example because it's something where you're a bit, you're quite a bit less hands-on with people. You're more like, um, you know, consulting with people about what they're eating or talking them through uh, ideas on a healthy eating, teaching them about nutrition, all of those things, right? You might be able to see, you know, say 35 hours worth of clients a week and it and not be an issue. You might, you know, it, it depends on you. It depends on the kind of practice that you have. But people in physical professions, it tends to, I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but it tends to be that you're not seeing 40 client hours per week. But you need to remember, this is really important, just because you're only seeing, just, you know, just because back in my massage days, I was only seeing about 20 client hours a week doesn't mean I was only working 20 hours a week. No, 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 no. There was, you know, yeah, I was seeing about 20 client hours a week at my peak, but I was also doing their charts and doing linens at some clinic environment, some I had it done for me. I was, you know, returning emails, returning phone calls. I was doing my marketing stuff. I was doing my accounting. I was doing all of the, sometimes I had MVA, motor vehicle accident, that is, reports to do. There was all kinds of stuff I had to do. So I wasn't just sitting around like twiddling my thumbs, let me tell you. So... It probably all added up. I think I added it up sometimes. And yeah, it usually added up to close to a quote unquote full time career or sometimes way over a full time career during the holidays when I would see more than 20 clients a week just to kind of squeeze in a few extra people, right? So yeah, um, that's something else you really need to think about when it comes to being a health, wellness, or fitness professional is the idea of full time may not be sort of what you had pictured in your mind, you know, 40 hours of client work. Well, not necessarily, not direct client work, because there's a lot of other things to think about when it comes to that. 
So there you have it. I hope this has been helpful for those of you who are just starting out in your careers, or maybe you just need to kind of rethink some things that you're doing, um, especially when it comes to client pri privacy and, um, and talking to people about, you know, their bodies or their health. Those are really sticky topics. And those are things that uh, I think all of us need to reassess every so often and see how we're doing and see how we can make changes and get better. Because, you know, it, like I said, it's not necessarily natural for everybody to sort of behave in the way that would be sort of best for the client. So yeah, I will be back with you guys next week with another episode. I think next week we're going to do a little marketing 101 since I've had that one requested more than once. So yeah, we'll talk a little bit about what is marketing and uh, I'll see you next week if you want to hear all about that. Take care. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I really do appreciate your time and your efforts. The times that you guys contact me with ideas for the podcast or comments about episodes or ratings and reviews, all of that, I really love it. I read all of it. I do really appreciate you guys. Um, by the way, if you would like to leave me a formal review, of course, I would really appreciate that. Head on over to iTunes, find my podcast, so Life Beyond the Massage Table, click on ratings and reviews, and then just give me a rating and a review. Five stars, of course, and a glowing review. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You know, let me know what you really think, but I do appreciate five stars as well. Let's be real here. Now, for you guys that might be new to the podcast, let me briefly introduce myself here. My name is Candace Eisner, and I am a former massage therapist in the province of Ontario, and I've also worked in various other health and wellness careers. So I've got a pretty good view of what it's like to do what you guys do. My mission right now is to help those in health, wellness, and fitness careers build strong businesses because I really believe to my core that taking care of others has to start with taking care of you. So that's what this podcast is all about, is helping you build a business that really matches who you are and what you value and what's important to you so that you feel happy when you go to work each day. You feel like this career is the right one for you, that everything just works so much better for your life. Now, before I finish off and let you guys get about, you know, go about your day, I will mention where you can find me on social media if you would like to. The main place you can interact with me if you'd like to just chat or see what I'm posting about or, you know, get on my newsletter list or any of that kind of stuff, find me on Instagram. Um, Happy Little Biz is my username. Or, of course, you can head over to my web website, happylittlebiz.com, and there's links to all that stuff there. All right, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll be back at you soon.